Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's such a somber stillness in his presence this morning. It's humbling to me. There's so many places we could be this morning, Sister Susie. So many things that could be going on in our lives to distract us and keep us from coming together. And I think sometimes when we wake up through the week and we face each day, Sister Deborah, it's just matter of fact, in our natural being, fulfilling the things that we have to do in our natural life, it's just another day. We'll see what happens. Deal with this today. Fix that today. Face that. Put that one off till tomorrow. It's just happenstance, so to speak. But I assure you by the Spirit of God this morning, this, this meeting, this day, this service, this is not happenstance. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And for anyone that couldn't make it or couldn't be here, then God's got a plan or a purpose for what they're into or what's going on in their life. But if we, the few of us that are here this morning, those that are listening on live stream, if we, if we'll focus our mind, hallelujah, on the Spirit of God this morning, if we'll just give ourselves to Him in this moment, in this hour, and we'll let go of all of those things, Sister Deborah, that are circumstance and happenstance in our lives, what, what we're looking at when we leave here, what we're looking at next week, anything that's got to be done, whatever we've got to face, just let it go this morning. Let it go this morning. Hallelujah. I really feel that churning and that working of the Spirit. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. I heard my pastor praying this morning. I was chosen out of the furnace of affliction. Hallelujah. There's a purpose for the affliction. There's a reason for the furnace. Somehow in our minds, down through time in the church, we, we've been taught or we've come to understand or we've developed the thinking that while we're Christians and we belong to God we're children of God and and we shouldn't have to suffer hallelujah that doesn't line up with the word I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning that does not line up with the word you will bear affliction there will be tribulation think it not strange when these fiery trials come upon you as though to try you hallelujah my God, I feel a working in the Spirit this morning. If we'll yield over to that glory to God, if we'll, we'll say, come on, Lord. I don't know about anybody else in the house today, God, but I give you me. Oh, would you stand to your feet this morning? I give you me this morning, God. I submit myself to you, Lord. Lord, work in me. Let me know the working of your Spirit this morning, God. Churn on the inside of me, God, and change what needs to be be changed God move what needs to be moved oh God and let me be a vessel clean and open and willing and submitted to your work this morning oh we welcome you in our presence today Lord we crave your presence today God we want to bask Lord at your feet we want to kneel Lord right before you 
this morning and allow you to work in us, oh God, and change us. You see the things, Lord, that we refuse to see sometimes about ourselves, Lord. You see those things, those secret places, Lord, in our heart where we don't want anyone else to go, God, where we try not to even go ourselves from day to day. Oh, God, you go in those secret places, God. You open them up and let the light shine, God, and reveal what needs to be moved and worked out, God. This day, Lord, take us this day, God, in this service, Lord. Do that work, God, that is right in your eyes, God. I don't know what all I need, God, but you know what I have need of. I don't know everything about me that needs to change, God, but you know. Change me and grow me, God, in this service. Let me give in to this worship, Lord. Let me be a part, God. Let me, let me be drawn in, God, and not hold back from you this day, God. Oh, I yield myself, Lord. Would you tell him this morning that you're yielding yourself to him? Oh, Lord, to work that good work in me, God, and change me. I want to be different, God. I want to be changed, God. I've not yet arrived, Lord. Hey, my God, I want to be changed. I want to be different, God. Raise up that people, that people, God, that you've chosen, Lord. Make us what you would have us to be, oh God. Oh, my God, have your way in the service, God. I'm not in a hurry this morning, God. I feel freedom, Lord, just to let you minister to your people this morning, God. Hallelujah, the agenda that we may have written out is useless, God, in the presence of your agenda, God. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Hallelujah, Lamb of God. Oh, have that on way, God. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you that you're real, God. That you're you, Lord. Hallelujah. And that I'm bought with a price. I thank you today, God, for the grace and the mercy that you bestow upon us, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Have that own way in this place, God. Let every heart, every mind be focused and centered on you today, God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Have that own way. Oh, have that own way, God. Have that own way. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have that own way. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, everything, God, on the inside that's displeasing to you, God. Everything that doesn't bring you joy and pleasure in your people, God. Cleanse it, God. Remove it, prune it, God. Take it out and replace it with more of you, God.
more of you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was talking with a friend last night on the phone, and I've been mentoring her for some years now. Say, God, do a change in her. And she just seems to be in that place where she can't get past where she's at. She's been here a while and in this place. And she'll pray about something and she thinks she's following the leadership of the Lord. And then it seemingly backfires on her. And it seems like that it wasn't what God must have intended or said. And she was just really struggling with her faith last night. And I said to her, I said, you know, I really don't have an answer for you tonight. I, I don't have an explanation. I don't, I can't tell you why it happened the way it did. I can't tell you if you missed the voice of God or if you heard it and for some reason this is the way it's going to be instead. I, I don't have those answers. I used to struggle to give people answers, Sister Susie. I always wanted to fix it and have an answer and give them that encouragement and see them changed and different after our conversation. But I just sat there and I said, I'll have it. I, you know, I can tell you about me. I can tell you about what I've come through, how I've had to walk it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all I know to say to you is when your faith is really low... And it seems like you're in confusion and you don't understand. You thought you were following God. It doesn't look like you were or you missed him or whatever. I go back to some very basic, simple things. One is he's God. There's nothing that will change it. Nothing that can rearrange it. Nothing that can dispute it effectively. He's God. And he's mine. Because he said if I would give myself to him, he would accept me. And I believe he accepted me with all my flaws, all my faults, all my carnal thinking, Sister Pat, all of it. He accepted me and he washed me. Fact number two. He said that everything in my life would work together for my good. Whether I understand it is irrelevant. Whether I can explain it, it doesn't matter. Whether I like it, doesn't ha it doesn't have an impact. It, it doesn't matter. Because God said that all things would work together for my good because I love Him and I know I'm called according to His purpose. Amen? You can't, you can't change that fact because the Word of God does not lie. <clears throat> I don't care what circumstances look like. Doesn't matter. The word of God don't lie. It's impossible. So if I got nothing else to stand on, I got that to stand on. That's a comfort to me. Because that says it doesn't matter how much I mess it up. Doesn't matter. He's a great big God. He can take anything and change it and work it and make it come out right for his glory. 
Hallelujah. Sister Lisa, I don't know if people get the depth of that. I don't know, Sister Susie, if I always understand and apply the real depth of that. Hallelujah. But there's a truth in there that ought to go to the very core of our faith and say, okay, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if we've just slid off the road in the rain and a tree has come through the back of our vehicle and my head could have been impaled, but it wasn't. Thank God. Does not matter. He's still God. He's still got it in control and it's still going to work for my good somewhere. It's not just a little detail that's of no consequence that won't figure in in my life somewhere. It's part of that all things. Hallelujah. It's part of the all things. My God, I don't even know where all this is coming from this morning. When Sister Susie asked me, she said, can you start the service? She just didn't feel like it was for her this morning to do. There's a churning in there in my spirit. Hallelujah. We got to get to a place where we know in whom we have believed. Amen. We got to get to a place where we know our God. Hallelujah. Don't you want to know Him this morning? Not on the level I knew Him yesterday. That was all right for yesterday. Baby, I'm probably too loud. You need to turn me down. Turn me down because I'm excited in my spirit. But it doesn't matter about yesterday. I want to know Him today. I want to know who He is. As much as He'll let me know, as much as He feels I can handle whatever in His wisdom, I want to know Him. I want forgiveness for any time that I neglect or fail or forget and don't walk in my faith. I want to go to him, Sister Pat, on my knees and say, God, I believe you help my unbelief, God. Because I wouldn't be struggling if there weren't some unbelief somewhere. It's not pretty. I don't like to admit it. I don't want to say that I I doubt God, but apparently there are places I do. Because I struggle and I get upset and I bow my knees and begin to cry out to God. (laughs) And then I hear him say, you can't be pitiful and powerful. Excuse me. I know I've, I've ministered that so many times. You cannot be pitiful and powerful at the same time. But when the Lord speaks to you and says, now what you going to do? What you going to do? You going to be powerful or you going to be pitiful? you're going to sit here on your knees and spend this time with me whining or you're going to get real and you're going to believe me hallelujah I want to be a believer hallelujah regardless of my carnal thinking regardless of my situations doesn't matter what's going on at home or at work or in the, the grocery store or elsewhere in my life In all of those places, I want to know that I believe God. I want to know that He can cover my imperfections. If He can't, I might as well sit down right now. There's no point in even being here. I do believe. I do believe. Hallelujah. I believe that it shall be even as it was told me, hallelujah, that he would go with me all the way, even unto the end, hallelujah, that he would cause everything to work for my good. Everything. I do believe. I do. Do you believe this morning? 
Aren't you thankful this morning? My, my, my. <laughs> Hallelujah, ma'am. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, some of you were here and some of you were not this morning when I was sharing with Sister Lisa. Monday in prayer, as I was praying, that was one of those times when the Lord said, well, you cannot be pitiful and powerful at the same time. I was just crying, crying, Sister Pat, telling God all about my woes. And that was his answer to me, Sister Susie. So what's it going to be, daughter? Are you going to sit here in prayer and be pitiful? Are you going to be powerful? It's a choice we make. It is. We can give in to all of that frustration and emotion. Or we can be powerful and stand on what we know to be true and be a fact. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes I get tired standing, Sister Susie. Anybody ever get tired standing? Weary, so weary. But he's faithful and just. He's gracious and merciful. He has a strong right arm. Hallelujah. And he never ever fails his children. Ever. Not one time. I have failed him countless times. Sister Deborah, he's not failed me once. Not one time. Hallelujah. What will we do, church? What will we do? The the furnace of affliction is going to get hotter. It's not fixing to get cooled down. It's fixing, fixing to get hotter. Hallelujah. So when it's bumped up, what was it the king told him? Um, heat it seven times hotter. So when the Spirit of God bumps it up for us seven times hotter, what will we say then? <laughs> will, we, will we still be pitiful? Or will we have learned how to be powerful? Through those weak emotional moments. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mama, he's more than able, isn't he? Hallelujah. He's more than able this morning. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. This is not a, I hope it's not a depressing word to you this morning. Because I don't mean it to be that way. I'm trying to tell you there's a power we can tap into. And not just tap into it, we can walk in it daily, minute by minute, hallelujah, hour by hour, we can walk in it, hallelujah. There is a way, Sister Deborah, to walk in the power and the admonition of the Lord, hallelujah. We just got to walk it out to get there. I mentioned that to my friend and she says, I don't even understand really what that means. I said, welcome to my world. <laughs> Hallelujah. God will show you though. You hang on to him and you stay determined and focused. God will show you what walking it out means. I'm walking some things out this morning, even by faith as I'm standing here talking to you. I'm walking some things out in my spirit. What about you this morning? Hallelujah. My God, He's real. We can depend on Him. What have we got to be weak about? Why do we get weary in our well-doing? Hallelujah. I was coming up the road singing a song this morning and it talked about not grumbling or complaining and I said, oh God, I'm so guilty. 
I'm so guilty, God, forgive me. What kind of example have I been lately to my son and my daughter? What kind of example have I been to my friends and my family? Forgive me, God. One more time. Amen. Hallelujah. My God. Philip, I'm going to change lanes on you, son. I want to go back to God rides on wings of love. Hallelujah. I'm thankful this morning because his love is perfect. And the word says, perfect love casteth out all fear. Hallelujah. And when that fear is raging on the inside, how many of you know what fear stands for? False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. When the evidence looks like you're going to fail. When the evidence looks like the enemy's going to destroy your family. When the evidence looks like, hallelujah, that you're never going to have a job or an income. When the evidence looks like, it doesn't matter. It looks real. But it's false. It's false in God. False evidence appearing real. I'm thankful for his love this morning. Hallelujah. Go ahead, son. I'm glad he rides on love. Amen. Monitor up, please. things that aren't right all around you just give it a shout and the walls of doubt will come down see god's not limited by man's degrees he's not afraid of those armies you see just turn around stand your ground you're gonna be free god rides on the water And you can't go around, so you wait. <laughs> now, even when you don't understand, you're still in the palm of his hand. You just wait, he won't be late, he's just working his plan. God rides on the water, he rides on the flood, and there ain't no power from hell. Gonna stop God's wings of love. I feel the winds of mercy.
this morning. Hallelujah. Are you riding right there under the edge of his wings? Hallelujah. Letting him hold you up. Glory. this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel like I didn't bend down to the river one more time. Hallelujah. Just dipped myself right down in the water of the Spirit. My God and been renewed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what y'all feel. <laughs> That's what I feel. Hallelujah. There ain't no power in hell. None. That's some of that false evidence, hallelujah, hanging out there. When the enemy tries to exalt himself and all the powers of hell against you. But he can't stop God. Can't stop him. He's still working on your behalf. He's still right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, what a Savior. What a Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful this morning. <laughs> when I'm in need of mercy and grace, Sister Susie, it's just right there. It's just right there. Hallelujah. And I can receive. Hallelujah. I'm thankful this morning. My, my, my. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not sure where we're going now. <laughs> Praise God. I'm so thankful. Hallelujah. Please do. When you were singing, that scripture came to my, to my mind, and I tried to look it up real quick, and I couldn't find it. So y'all just going to have to look it up for yourself. But it's in Acts where Paul was just a young man, just a boy. And, uh, and, and they were after him, and he was at the top of a building, and two people put him in a basket. They were coming to kill him. But he wouldn't Paul the devil fighting man of God that that we know him to be I wish I could remember that scripture find it for me sister Lisa real quick and uh, but anyway these two people they they saw something worth saving they just saw they saw a boy not a great man of God but yet there's something about this lad that was worth fighting for Amen. And as they let that boy down over the side of the building, I imagine he got heavy. It took two of them. So he wasn't just a little kid. He might have been a grown man. He might have been in his 20s. Yeah. But they let him down. And don't you imagine that rope got heavy in their hands. Don't you imagine sometimes, yeah, sometimes maybe if it slips a little bit. I don't know if y'all ever had a grass rope in your hand. Uh, we used to call them lead lines, and we'd tie them to cows, calves, and horses. And sometimes if they pulled real hard, that rope would slip in your hand, and it would literally burn you. I mean, it would burn down in your skin, just like touching a, 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 a something hot. And don't you imagine it got heavy. But they held on to the rope, amen. And sometimes in our lives, our burdens may get heavy, but God has purpose in it. 
regardless how hard or heavy it seems to hold, like you're holding to it, and, and maybe sometimes you're holding and it's pulling you just a little bit, but you hold on, amen. It don't matter how heavy the burden gets, God's got this. He's got it. Hallelujah. You know who's holding us? Who's holding the rope? Jesus. Hallelujah. And so sometimes, yes, it's, it's our carnal nature to get discouraged or to get depressed or to get, sometimes feel defeated. But what we have to understand is God is goddess. God has us. I like what you said about all things work together. I love that Roman scripture, amen, that all things work together because I've got my confidence not in my ability to hold that rope, but in his ability to hold me while I'm holding the rope. He's put in my hand. Somebody needs to raise your hands right now and say, God put that rope in my hand. God put that rope in my hand. Hallelujah. And if he put that rope in my hand, then it's not in my ability to hold that rope. It's in his ability to hold me while I'm holding that rope. Amen. Because God rides on the wings of love. Hallelujah. I tell you, I love the Lord. Do you find that scripture? Amen. We're just passing it back and forth tonight, to this morning. Acts 9.25. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down. All right, I'll go up a little. Start. Let's jump up to 23, Acts 9, 23. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Pretty bad. When none of us been threatened to have been killed, I don't think yet. For real, like say it, but I mean like for real. But their laying await was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night. And led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed, and he goes on anyway, but they let him down. They let him down. And pastor preached a message one time. This is, I love it when the Holy Ghost just moves. But pastor preached, that's why I kept hollering out, hold to the rope. Pastor preached a message on that one time. It is so good because it says, you don't know. When you're, they didn't know who they were holding in that basket, a man that was going to go and reveal the mysteries of Christ and preach two-thirds, a right, two-thirds of our New Testament. Who else knows what all was written, but Paul's writings were the ones that survived. God had his. God had his survive where we could study and learn. Hold to the rope because you don't know. He knows what he's holding. He knows. But I'm gonna t- I take it one step further. They didn't know. That's why we hold one another up. We don't, none of us know what any one of us' lives are coming to in here. Hold to the rope. Hold your brother and sister up. So we're going to turn that thing. God can break a scripture down so many different ways. Man, he can just break them down so many different ways. So just as he's got our rope, because he does know. And we're holding on. But then in that same turn, they didn't know. I love that. I love that. They had no idea, but they just loved the brethren. They just, who knows if they just, you know, the Lord just stirred their heart. Who knows why they did it, but they had a reason. Something stirred, the Holy Ghost stirred in their spirit. And I had a scripture in my spirit as pastor gets ready to come. I'm going to read this and then, uh, or however he wants us to, to do. But it's in Psalm 138. And Pastor and I were talking about it this week, and I actually, be honest with you, I didn't even look it up till now. Not say that I'm proud of myself on that, but sometimes you just don't always follow through with things at the time when, right when the Lord deals with you. 
but he's so gracious and merciful. Always, always. But it's at the end of chapter uh, of Psalm 138. And starting in um, verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Humility. Don't be lifting up self-righteous. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Have you been revived, Sister Kathy, this morning? Right? That's right. All right, here we go. Thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of thine enemies. Now, I'm going to say Satan's probably my worst enemy. What you think? We got folks on this earth, but I'm going to tell you who's really my enemy is Satan. He's really my enemy. He just happens to uh, choose some vessels on this earth to, to come at us. But Satan's my, yeah, he does. But all the motivation of it is through Satan. So you got to know who you're fighting. Who's your enemy? We were talking about David this morning. David walked up. He said, is there not a cause? He could see the enemy right there and it flew all over him. That he knew he served the true and living God and it just flew all over him. That somebody would not stand up and fight knowing that God Almighty was had their back. But it all comes to obedience. You got to know who he You got to have relationship. You got to follow his instruction. You got to let him tighten you up. Well, you got to be tightened up. But it flew all over him. That his God was being made ashamed of. Well, that's how I feel today. I'm going to tell you we serve that true and living God and we all, everyone in here know it. And it flies all over me. And that's what causes me to seek God even more, Sister Pat. It's because I want my God revealed. I want that God revealed. So is there not a cause today for us to fight against the enemy? To stand and let God do our fighting. Let God do our fighting. And that's what we go on in this scripture here. So back here in verse 7. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I heard Sister Kathy talk about upholding him, upholding us with his strong, with his right arm. So that right hand shall save me. This is the scripture, verse 8, that the Lord had put in my spirit earlier in the week. The Lord will perfect. That which concerneth me, thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. I am the work of his own hands. We are the work of his own hands. I thought that was a New Testament scripture and I was looking for it. in my searching my memory banks in my head, you know, looking for it in the New Testament. Didn't come across it and didn't actually feel like getting my Bible out and looking for it. So there you go. But here we are. God wanted it for today. And that's Old Testament. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. That's David. But he's going to perfect. That means mature. That which concerns me. I concern him. And whatever's going on in our lives concerns him. And I am the work of his hands. And he's going to perfect it. And he's going to keep it. That just encourages me today. And that's been my prayer this week. Lord, perfect that which concerns me. Perfect that which concerneth me. And forsake not the works of thine own hands. That just ties right in. That ties right in with what the Lord was dealing with your spirit on this morning. He's not going to forsake us. He never does. And we do concern him. 
He is the works of our, we are the works of his hands. Amen. Oh, I'm excited and I love it. I love it. I love it. My prayer, as pastor comes, my prayer so many times and has been, God, bring this body together to flow in the spirit. Let us just flow. And that day's going to come, Sister Pat, you're going to jump up and you're going to throw in your two cents worth and... <laughs> We're all flowing together. I love that. That excites me. The Bible speaks of them speaking as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. That's the way it's supposed to be. We all, we all work together. And I miss my little brother not being here today. Makes me sad, miss my little brother Justin. But anyway, we love him. But God bless our pastor as he just uh, brings us forth in the word today. Let's welcome our pastor. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody got victory? Yes. I said, you got victory? Yes. I said, anybody got victory? Yes. Are you sure? I got victory. Did y'all hear me? Yes. I got victory. Why have I got victory? Satan is destroyed. Did y'all realize that? Satan is destroyed. So if you're fighting, you need to be fighting to possess the kingdom. You don't need to be fighting to get victory. You should have victory. You should have victory. And this is in Hebrews 2. And this is verse 14. For as much... Then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Y'all see that? I had a visitation this week. And I didn't say nothing about it for several days. And my wife's the only one I've told about it. I don't even remember where I was when it happened. I think I was at the house. But I had to go to Alabama. So. And I think I had to leave Monday evening to go. So I don't remember when it was. But it seemed like I was sitting on the deck at our house. And from out here up, I saw the Lord. And He looked at me. And He spoke to me. He said, I was a man. But I became the Christ. And as He said it, I saw Him turn. It's like He was looking at me like, and I saw Him turn. And y'all, have y'all ever seen how that they take pictures and flip them and they make like a, a film, like a cartoon? That's what it looked like because as he turned, he illuminated. When he looked at me, I said, I was a man, but I became the Christ. And he illuminated. I said, God, people got to understand that you started out in this thing as a man, but you are now God in the flesh. The fullness brought forth. 
and that we can possess. Because he did this, Satan is destroyed. Y'all hear me? He's destroyed. You'll have to fight him. Not if you're a believer. You'll have to fight him. The body and blood of Jesus paid for your sins. But the soul of your, of your Savior, the soul of Jesus, when he took all your sins and he became sin, Bible said, he that knew no sin became sin. That through him, we might become the righteousness of God. So when he became sin, he went to hell as a transgressor. And when he paid for your sins, was resurrected. I'm talking about birthed by the Spirit of God. Right there, he destroyed spiritual death. Right there, he loosed the bands of hell. Y'all look at me. Look at me like that. That is what sets you free from the bondage of hell. Because the Bible said all men's lifetime, they were subject to the bondage of hell. Didn't know where their soul was going until Jesus came. Didn't know where this was going, Sister Pat. And Hebrews 2 right there, where I just read, says that all their lifetime men were subject to bondage. They were subject to the bondage of hell. Didn't have no hope of eternal life. But when Jesus come, he conquered and took the keys of hell and death. He didn't do it by his physical body. He didn't do it by his blood. He done it by his soul purchasing and destroying spiritual death. So not only is the works of Satan destroyed, according to 1 John 3 and 9, Satan himself is destroyed, according to Hebrews 2.14. And I got victory. I got victory. You get this in your spirit, you walk in victory. I don't care what assails you. I don't care what attacks you. I don't care what comes against you. You walk in victory. And you walk in peace. And you'll come into rest in Christ. Because he started as a man. You stop and think about it. He was born of flesh and blood and bone body. He was not a God. A God can't be tempted. But the Bible said he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. God can't be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. That's why he sent Jesus. God can't feel your infirmities. He don't know what it's like to be human. But through the man Christ Jesus, he feels your infirmities. Are y'all hearing me? This is where your victory comes. This is where your victory comes. Because he paid for you. <laughs> he just didn't forgive your sins. He bought your soul. <laughs> he bought your soul. Your sins just ain't forgiven. Your soul's been purchased. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he's destroyed death and hell. He's destroyed it. Satan is destroyed. His power is destroyed. And when he rose, right there in the midst of hell, when the Spirit of God entered into his spirit and birthed him, 
He said it in Acts 13. He said, This day thou art my son, and I have begotten thee concerning the raising of the dead. Did he not? He said, I birthed you right here. I brought you forth. And right there in the middle of hell, he took total triumph and victory over Satan. He triumphed over him openly right on his home turf. <laughs> it's bad to get beat. <laughs> but it's really bad to get beat on your home turf. <laughs> he whipped him right in the middle of hell. Took away his power. Took away the power of death. Took away the power of spiritual death. This Satan no longer could hold man in bondage. You're not in bondage today. You're free. Are y'all hearing me? You're free. If you'll come to the knowledge of this, because this is truth, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Make you free. And whom the Son has made free? He free indeed. I'm free today. You free, Brother Donald? I'm free because I understand my Savior bought me. When Isaiah 53 says, And his soul was made an offering for sin. <laughs> Woo! Purchased me. Went down a man. Came back. The Son of God and God manifest in the flesh. The fullness. From there on, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him. Oh, my God, is somebody with me today? Is anybody with me today? <laughs> so it'll make you shout to victory. Hallelujah. Man, Sister Kathy got singing and I got to listening. I said, the Lord... I said, I don't hear nobody clapping, nobody shouting, nobody praising God. I said, oh, nobody need to complain if we don't have any singing if they ain't going to praise God when the Spirit moves. Because I felt the Spirit of God. Anybody feel the Spirit of God? I feel the Spirit of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's the way it ought to be. That you can rejoice in the Lord. My God, I feel, I feel something in my spirit today. Before I get caught up in this word, I'm telling y'all, better get a burden for this nation. Something fixing to hit this nation. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's going to be a terrorist attack. I don't know whether it's going to be natural disaster. I'm talking about a big one. I don't know whether it's going to be something political, but something fixing to rock this nation. Y'all hear me? I felt it in prayer this morning. I've been feeling it for the last 48 hours. Something fixing to rock this nation. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Y'all hear me? You need to be ready. Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, at our church in Alabama, in May, before 9-11 hit in September in 2001, I was preaching at a TV station in Somerville, Georgia, and I fell on my knees and started praying right there on the television station. Telling people, you better go to prayer. I said, something's fixing to hit this nation. It's going to rock it from the mayor's house to the White House. And that's what the Lord told me. And I told people, I said, something's fixing to happen. And it was about July, maybe August. I was standing on this side of our platform. Our platform was all the way across the front. That time we had that oak rail, I think, across it. And I stand on this side of the platform, and I heard the voice 
of President Delano Roosevelt says, this day shall live in infamy. I said, something's going to hit this nation. I said, it's going to be American soul. And I said, it's going to be just like Pearl Harbor. It's going to be a sneak attack and thousands fixing to die. I said, y'all believe me or not? And Sunday, before that thing hit on a Tuesday, I sat on the steps of our platform and I screamed out. I said, America, your sin's fixing to find you out. Your sin's fixing to find you out. Sin's fixing to find people out. God's going to chasten this nation because she's wicked, she's hard-hearted, she's perverted, she's evil, and even the people that love God have been lulled into a sleep. The Lord began to deal with me late last night. He said, the spirit of sin that has crept into the church is what's going to cause persecution. It's going to cause the church to persecute the real Christians. The spirit of sin. This modern church, these big churches that won't cry out against sin, they're fishing to persecute the righteous. You hear me? You're fishing to be persecuted by people that claim to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. It ain't the sinners going to persecute the church. Y'all hear me? And I can't tell you what's going to happen in this election. All I know is in October of 2000, before we had our election between George Bush and Albert Gore, I was, on, I was standing in the church preaching, and the Lord took me into a vision. And I told people, I said, you better vote for the right man. You better get in prayer and pray for the right man. Because I didn't tell them then. But I saw George W. Bush on his knees on the presidential seal, weeping before the Lord for guidance. The Lord told me, he said, your nation's fixing to go through calamity. Nation's fixing to go through hardship. I don't agree with everything the man done, but I'm going to tell you something. God put him in there to guide us through 9-11. Because if that other man had been in office, oh, my God, <laughs> it'd been bad. So you better pray for God to put the right man in office. And if the man that's... Out there now is nominated, you better pray for his safety because there are powers in place that will eliminate that man if they think he's going to break their power. Think he's going to break that circle of power, they will, they'll have no trouble eliminating that man. Y'all hear me? I can't tell you. All I'm telling you, you better seek God. And people better get out and vote. You better be led by the Spirit of God when you vote. We ain't electing a preacher. <laughs> and sometimes men got to get the job done in government and politics. They got to be a little bit unethical. Got to. Because that's the way the game's played. So don't thank you fixing to elect a, a preacher to office. Ain't going to happen. I don't care who you put in there. They ain't righteous. They're doing what they've been chosen to do. Amen. Yes. So y'all, I'm, I'm telling you, you better pray for this nation. Something fixing to hit it. Something fixing to hit it hard. I've had such a burden on me for the last 48 hours for this nation. Because I know we're living in troubled times. That's why people's got to stand forth with victory. Yes. That's why people's got to stand forth solid in their faith. Because when 9-11 hit, my wife called me. I was in Mississippi preaching tent revival. I was under somebody else's tent, but I was over Monday night, 
about Tuesday morning, she called me. I don't remember what time it was. She said, have you seen the news? I said, no, I was up late praying. You woke me up. She said, better turn the news on. I turned the news on just I turned it on that second plane. First thing, it already hit that second plane, hit that tower, and I said, oh, God. And you know people everywhere started ringing my phone? Started ringing my phone. But the people that sat under my teaching, Sister Susie, they wasn't panicked. They wasn't weeping and crying. The people everywhere weeping and crying, scared to death. People that sat under this word, there was a calm come over them. There was a peace come over them, Sister Pat. They wasn't worried about it. Because they'd been warned if they prepared. And my oldest daughter was in college at that time. About 12, 31 o'clock, my phone rang. She said, Daddy! <laughs> I said, What? She said, you had something to do with this, didn't you? I said, well, maybe just a little bit. She said, you spoke, you spoke this, didn't you? I said, afraid so. Saw it coming. Didn't know what, but I saw it coming. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, something fixing to hit this nation is going to rattle people. But it's just what you said. All things work together. Did y'all hear me? All things work together. I don't care if you fell off a roof and busted your body up. I don't care if you're laying in ICU in the hospital. God's still God. Yes, <laughs> I don't care if you got $5 in your checking account of 5000 God's still God. Yes, and He's still in control. Still in control. As long as you honor Him and do what's right in His sight. Man, I feel the spirit. Whoa. Oh, hallelujah, I feel the Spirit of God in this place today. God's getting the people ready to shine forth. Because somebody got to have a testimony when the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Y'all pardon my expression. But things fix to get rough. I don't believe God's going to put us in full-blown persecution, but I believe he's fixing to rock folks and wake them out of this old spirit. There's a spiritual sleep on people. And you know what troubles me more than anything? God's people in the truth don't have a burden to pray. Don't have a burden to pray for the church. Don't have a burden to pray for one another. And don't have a burden to pray for this nation. Let me tell you something. America goes down, this world going into darkness. Because America's the one, the gospel, such as it is, America's the one got the richest in the gospel to the ends of the earth. This nation goes down, and there are forces in place to take this nation down and stop the word of the Lord from going forth. We need America. But America needs our word and the working of the Spirit of God. And there's something in the works. I can feel it, but there's also something working in the Spirit. Can y'all feel this working in the Spirit? There's a, there's a working in the Spirit of God to change us. And I want God to change me. I want God to change. I need God to change. Do you need God to change you? Then petitioning. My God, let a spirit of prayer, let a burden for this church, let a burden for God's people, let a burden for this nation get a hold of you. And get in here and pray and press and knock and seek and ask. You know, back the first of the year, the Lord told us two things to pray for. He told us to pray to be baptized into his death and to pray for the fivefold ministry to come forth. Because I'm going to tell you something, pastors are not the leadership of the church. And they're not teaching people. They're not teaching people. How to pray and how to stand. It's just what Sister Pat asked me last week. She said, Brother Matter, what's going to happen to these pastors? 
that don't know how to pray and haven't taught their people to pray. Hand of God's fixing to fall against them. It's not the people's fault. There's a lot of people fixing to go back to prayer. Not because the Spirit of God moved them, but because they're going to cry out for the afflictions that's come on their lives. And we need leadership. Naturally and spiritually in this nation, we need leadership. Amen. Because you get in troubled times and you get in hard times, you better have somebody who can stand and fight naturally and spiritually. Better have somebody that knows how to get things done. And pastors, it's not their calling. But all the churches now are divided because what pastors teach. It's a shame. It's a shame. Evangelists have made the church their meal ticket. Instead of getting out of here and digging out souls. It's a shame. Brother Metter, did you go to churches you evangelize? Yeah, but in the summertime, from about May to November, I got out there in them tents. And I went where nobody knew me, where God told me to go. I didn't know nobody in L.A.J. when I come to L.A.J. in 98. Didn't know a soul. God told me, come up here. And then told me, come back in 99. And that's where that got hung in the net. <laughs> God told me to come. So I'd go put up a tent, and I'd get in the tent and pray all night and fast and seek the face of God, and God began to draw people. And God never failed to dig out souls to bring deliverance and to declare a word against sin. Whew. Brother and Sister Elder come to my meeting in 98 in Calhoun down on 225. I think I was there 17, 18 days. About 14 of them. I preached so hard against sin, some people were scared to move. And I was praying for people up in the, I had people come up to me to pray for them. I went to pray for one man, and I looked at him, I, I, I told him point blank, I said, you fix to go to hell. Told him what kind of spirit he had, what was going on in his heart. And I looked at Brother Patterson, because Brother Patterson was helping me in that meeting. I said, Y'all better get up here and pray for this man. I said, I don't know who he is. Brother Patterson said, that's my brother. I said, he's fixing to go to hell. I said, spirit ain't right. And I said, he's fixing to go to hell. You mark my words. You better, you better get him prayed through. And I think the man prayed through that night. And I saw the angel of death standing outside that tent, Sister Pat. I said, I'm seeing a vision right now, an angel of death standing outside this tent. I see about 25, 30 foot tall. He's dressed in black. And I said, I see him standing outside this tent. I said, you mark my words. I said, people around this tent, people in the sound of my voice, relatives of people on this tent, and some of y'all in this tent. I said, ain't going to be long. You fix to get reports of death in your family. Some people in this tent fixing to die. And relatives of people in this tent fixing to die. And within six months, there was 10 or 12 people in that meeting, around that meeting, and related to people in that meeting. Just like that. The very lady we was pulling water off of her house, they let us use water. We pulled it probably a couple of hundred feet through a water hose so we'd have a way to clean up in our travel trailers. The very night I closed the meeting, she died of cancer. And I said, people on the sound of my voice. People that's hearing this word, loved ones of people that's hearing this word. And there was either, I mean, there was a bunch of them. Wasn't there, Sister Deborah? I mean, every time you turn around and get reports, report, somebody died. Somebody died. I think uh, Sister Teresa Baker was in that meeting. 
And it wasn't very long after that, she died of cancer. I mean, every time I turn around, it's boom, 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 boom. Why? God said it. God said, you better hear. God's trying to get this nation's attention. And God's trying to get people to shake off false doctrine, to shake off false teaching, to shake off religion, and come into the truth. Hallelujah. And I know what the Lord showed me this week. And I know why God showed me. He's wanting us to come out of religion. He's wanting us to get rid of religion. Because religion's got people bound down. Has it not? Has religion got, not got people bound down? You can't serve God in religion. Religion's bondage. I said religion's bondage. It'll bind you. And as I prayed, and it's, it's in these notes. And I talked to the Lord, and the Lord started revealing things to me. So I'm just going to start out talking to you today. How many of y'all remember me ministering here? And this has been probably 2011. I didn't go back and look up the date. But I told y'all about a vision I had when I was preaching in Savannah, Georgia about a room. Y'all remember where I stepped into that room? As I stepped into that room, I heard the voice of the Lord say this to me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Are many wealthy or rich places in the Spirit is what God told me. I heard that. So I walked in this room. I looked. I knew everything about it, Sister Pat. Everything. Knew everything about it. Knew every nickel on the wall, every bump on the floor. Knew everything. I was familiar. Very comfortable in that room. But all of a sudden in the back left-hand corner, there appeared a door that I'd never seen before. When I walked up that door and I opened that door, it was on the far left-hand side, I opened that door. It opened into another room. And across the back wall of that room, there's about nine or ten doors. So I walked over to the one in the furthest left-hand corner and I opened it and it led into another room. It was nothing but doors. I stepped to the right, opened that door. It led into another room that was nothing but doors. All the way down, every time I opened it, it was nothing but doors. And I heard the Lord speak, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He was showing me. So I thought I had the understanding of the vision. Well, about a year went by, and the Lord spoke to my spirit. He said, that room I showed you, he said, that was the anointing that you operate in. He said, you're very comfortable there. You know what you're doing. I'm very comfortable in what God's put in my life. I know how it works. I know how to use it. I know when not to use it. He said, you can stay right where you're at. He said, I'll still use you. I'll still give you healings and miracles. And said, you'll still preach a good word. He said, or... You can open that door. He said, you can step into a place in me that you've never been. So, 
That was probably 2012. When the Lord spoke to me about him becoming the Christ, I didn't say anything to anybody. I guess it was Friday night. Me and her started talking. This would probably happen Monday sometime. Because I always meditate on things. I don't ever just jump hard. Well, God just spoke to me. I always wait and I wait things out and let the Spirit talk to me. And I search for the meaning of things. And I told her what I saw. And I said, you mark my words. I said, something's fixing to come out. I said, it's going to declare Jesus as a man. But he became the very Christ. I said, something's fixing to come out. And I said, church don't believe this. They don't believe he was a man. They preach him as God come to earth. That had power over all devils. If he did, me and you might as well hang it up. <laughs> we don't stand a chance. But see, a God can't be tempted. A God can't be tempted. And the Bible said he was tempted in the wilderness of the devil for 40 days. God can't be tempted. The Bible will tell you in James God can't be tempted. But he was tempted in all points like as we are. Why? He was just like us. <laughs> Got to understand this. He was made just like you. Made just like you. And so we started talking. And she was asking me questions. Because see, when God tells me something, I'll just put it out there. I don't care what people think, really. <laughs> it's just the way I am. But not tell her, she's my buffer zone. <laughs> she said, now, you got to look at it like this. She said, because this is what people are going to hear. This is what they're going to understand. This is what they're going to see when you start preaching this. And a lot of times what she said don't make any sense to me because I just believe God. But she'll always make me think. And so she got me thinking. I can't remember what I always told. We talked about several things, but she got me thinking. And so Saturday morning I got up about 4, 4.30. Started studying, started praying. Started reaching for the Lord to reveal himself. And I went and laid back down probably about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. When I laid back down, the Lord started talking to me. I was hoping I was going to get a couple hours sleep. <laughs> that didn't happen. So I come downstairs, went back in the office, got on the computer, started looking up scriptures that God started bringing to me. And I heard her moving around the kitchen. I walked back in there and said, got it. She said, what? I said, I got it. I said, God showed it to me. Now, y'all follow with me. Because our knowledge of the Holy Ghost is very limited. When people talk about a Holy Ghost service, what do they talk about? Uh-huh. Has that been your experience, Sister Deborah? When people talk about the Holy Ghost movement, they talk about a good shouting service. Talking in tongues, maybe some prophecy. Might be a healing or two. 
And so I started looking up scriptures on how the Holy Ghost worked in the New Testament church. And that's exactly what it was. Are y'all hanging with me? So, we all know the scripture. How that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one accord. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house that they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, and they all began to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. We got that. We can go to Acts 10, 38. says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that was possessed of the devil or oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we can go right on through the scriptures. We can go to Hebrews 2 and 4. God also bearing them witness with diverse signs and miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, as ye yourselves also know. We got that. So, back what God told me on the second day of January really came into my spirit. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and the tongues of fire is for the operations of the gifts. It's to bring power it's to bring faith. It's to bring miracles. Are y'all following with me? The, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's all we've heard is faith, power, miracles, and tongues. That's all we've heard about the Holy Ghost from uh, the day of Pentecost all the way through the generations. That's all we've heard. All I've heard is people testify. Well, I got saved. I got the Holy Ghost. I, I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit chasing women. I, just breaking bad habits. Getting rid of vices. I, but nobody nowhere I, that I've ever heard testify talks about the nature of the Christ. Talks about this sinful nature being killed. Talks about this body of sin being destroyed. And as I sought for this, I said, Lord, what is it? And I heard a word. Now y'all may think I'm educated when I, heard, when I tell you this word. The word is compartmentalized. Yeah. It means divisions are divided into categories. I keep hearing that word. And I told her Friday night, I said, I keep hearing this word. I said, I don't even know what it means. I know it ain't in the Bible like that. But it means to divide. It means to put in separate categories or separate compartments. When I walked in the kitchen yesterday morning, I said, I got it. She said, what? I said, in my father's house are many mansions, many rooms, are many compartments. And I said, what we know about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire has its own compartment. Woo-wee. Boy, church going to love this, ain't they? Because <laughs> I was taught when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get it all. No, you don't. No, you don't. Holy Ghost got his own room. 
He got his own room, Brother Donald. And he can't get in there in that room that talks about being baptized into his death. That ain't his territory. On January the 2nd, 2016, on my knees in Fort Payne, Alabama, God spoke to me, said the baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire is different than being baptized into his death. Different working of the Spirit, different compartment. Are y'all understanding me? I'm not saying it's a different spirit. Because ain't but one spirit. Different compartment. Whoa, I feel good today. Isaiah. Because see, I've never preached the Holy Ghost's tongues. Says Susie, I don't remember back when you started coming to church in Alabama. I would not preach the Holy Ghost. He's just talking in tongues. And I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said, Well, Brother Metter, he said, People keep telling me that I got the same thing they got on the day of Pentecost. He said, But I've been witnessing to folks that are Chinese, folks that are Mexican. Folks, he can't speak good English. And I said, I can't speak no Chinese. I can't speak no Spanish. I can't communicate to them people in their own natural tongues. And they said that all them men that was gathered in Galilee, them devout men from all around, they heard the wonderful works of Jesus spoke in their native tongue. He said, so the tongues uh, spoken on the day of Pentecost were not spiritual languages. They were natural native languages uh, and native tongues where them people come from. He said, I don't got that. I said, no, we didn't have it. We preached in India several years back either. He said, no, we had to use an interpreter. That's exactly right. I said, I believe there'll be a day that we won't need an interpreter. I said, but they ain't here yet. He said, people keep trying to tell me, you got what they got on the day of Pentecost. He said, my shadow ain't never healed the sick. (laughs) I ain't never raised the dead. I ain't never told the lame to get up and walk. I ain't went from house to house breaking bread and had great signs and wonders and miracles. That's what the Bible said happened. The book of Acts 2nd chapter said it went from house to house breaking bread, had great miracles. Does it not? Even the deacons of the church. (laughs) Even Stephen was a deacon. Went out and had great miracles because he's full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. I hope y'all are with me. Because we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. And people keep telling me, well, Brother Metter, there ain't but one Holy Ghost. I understand that. But in my Father's house is many mansions. <laughs> in my Father's house is many rooms and compartments. In every room and compartment, there's a different manifestation of the Spirit. There's a different anointing. Did I not tell y'all last week that God spoke to me in 98 and told me them seven trumpets I was seven anointings? So you didn't get it all. 
when you got the Holy Ghost. You might have said a few words in tongues. You might have languages. But tell me what's being made manifest now. Go ahead and walk up to somebody full of the devil. Point your finger in their face and talk in tongues at them. <laughs> devil slap you. <laughs> I saw a preacher in India lay hands on a woman, cast the devil out of her. You know what that woman does? Spit in his face. I mean, pop one on him. Poop right in his face. He had his hands on him, telling the devil to come out. Made him mad. He said, I'll slap you. She looked back at him and said, I'll slap you too. He couldn't get the devil out of her. Couldn't get the devil out of her. We got to reach that place that the demons are subject to the authority of God. Yes. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. Don't come with tongue talking. There's a power to be possessed. Everybody ain't going to get this. I believe the believers, when it's necessary, they'll have power over the devil. But to have a ministry to cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, it's going to take something. It's going to take something. So, I'm going to get you out of that compartment. And I'm going to put you over here in this compartment. Are y'all with me? Isaiah 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. I'm at verse 1, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What did it say would rest upon him? The Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. What did it bring? Sure didn't talk about tongues. Sure didn't talk about prophecy. said, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. Are y'all following with me? Can I get y'all out of this compartment we've been stuck in for the last 2,000 years? Can I get y'all in another compartment? Your lease is up! You're going to have to move! you got to come out of that apartment! God's got another apartment for us! Because we done got comfortable in this room and in this apartment. Have we not? We done got comfortable. I'm telling you, your lease is up. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That don't sound like tongues in prophecy. That don't sound like healings and miracles. And I'm not against 
Y'all understand what I'm saying? But for us to enter in to His nature, for Him to baptize us in His Spirit and baptize us into His death, that this carnal mind and this body of sin can be destroyed, our thinking's got to change on what the Holy Ghost is. The compartment we've been in, as a measure of the Spirit of God. But we've operated in that one compartment so long, we don't recognize the Spirit of God be anything else. We don't. Woo, my God, brother, you should have been there. The Holy Ghost fell tonight. What's it talking about? Tongues, prophecy, shouting, maybe a healing or two. The church buck dancing all over the place. I've never been as sick in my life as it was. Somebody posted a video. Supposed to be in a revival. And everybody out there just a dancing and a bucking and a shouting. And a preacher up on the platform doing a two-step. I said, God, I've seen that 50 years. I need something different. And there was one young man in that video. And I'm going to tell you, if it had been my meeting... What was it, two years ago, three years ago? I was preaching in somebody else's meeting three years ago. And the Spirit of the Lord moved on me and I was walking the aisles ministering to people. The gifts of God was in operation. There was a power. And this one young preacher got him a little band over here while I was walking the aisles ministering on the anointing and started laying hands on him for him to jerk and shout. And I went to the person in charge of that meeting after service. I said, you either set him in order or I will. I said, he, he was out of order and he was causing a distraction. And I looked over and seen him. But I checked my spirit. I think I'm going to set him down. Didn't have no business up. Didn't have no business doing nothing. It was the complete opposite of what the Spirit of God was doing. But you know why he's doing it? It's all he knew. Feeling the Spirit of God, all he knew was lay hands on people and, get them, blah, 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 and dance and shout all over the place. That's all he knew. And what upset me, people was falling for it. They'd have no discernment, no leadership, no understanding of what God was trying to do. I mean, I was ministering to people and God was destroying yokes off people's lives. And he had him a crowd about 15 or 20. Of course, there's probably five or 600 there. Had him a crowd about 15 or 20, and they just shouting and him just jerking them and talking in tongues and people falling out. Where does it take us? It had its season, and it was good. But the season's over with. I ain't saying we won't have them services again, but it ain't going to be every service. My God, every service is a shout and a jerk and a dance and a talk in tongues or a prophecy about how y'all the apple of God's eye. I always tell them thin apples just about that rotten apple. <laughs> I'm glad you love me. Because <laughs> I preach some tough doctrine in this church. You've hung right with me. And I love you for it and God's going to bless you for it. Because a lot of what she was raised in, I pretty well laid the hammer on it. 
but it's to bring us forward. You know, everybody keeps talking. God's going to do a new thing. God's going to bring us forward. God's going to take us to another level. Well, what is it? More tongues, more shout. What is this new level? What is this new thing God keeps saying he wants to do? Because it can't be more of the same. If it is, it ain't new. It's got to be different. So what God's wanting to do is baptize us into the very death of the Christ. Are y'all following me? Because he is dead to sin. While he walked this earth, Satan tempted him. Tried to get him to fall. Had to. If the Bible I read is right, he had to be tempted, says Pat. He had to have an understanding of what the carnal mind is. And he had to fight against it and war against it the whole time he's here. Never gave in to it. He was tempted at all points yet without sin. But see, now he ain't tempted. Now he got total victory over sin, over the carnal mind. The carnal mind's dead. Amen? Are y'all with me? The carnal mind in him is dead. And if his spirit lives in us, then the carnal mind's got to die. You won't need that anointed axe handle, Sister Deborah. Don't tell me she done put a whooping on you, man. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We've got to have this spirit in Isaiah 11 rest upon us. Amen. We've got to have this spirit in Isaiah 11 rest upon us. Now let's go to Romans 6. Now let's back up. Let's back up to Luke. No, that ain't where I want to go either. Let's back up to Luke 12. I don't think I marked that one. Hang on, I'll find it. I don't think I put it in there, but I'll read Luke 12. Y'all with me in Luke 12? Man, I tell you what, there's something here, man. My God, I feel that power. I feel that solid anointing of God. I feel that working of the Spirit. I feel the revealing of the Word. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I feel God feeding our souls. Hallelujah. Luke 12 and verse 49. Y'all with me? I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? There's something kindled. There's something kindled in this generation. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how am I straightened till it be accomplished or ain't nothing going to hinder me. Ain't nothing going to hold me back. Ain't nothing going to hinder what I'm doing until I accomplish what I've come forth to do. Suppose ye that I'm come to send peace on to give peace on the earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. Y'all with me? 
And I ain't got the scripture mark, but there's another scripture when he talks to James and John. When the mother of Zebedee comes to him and said, Lord, I want my two sons, one to sit on my left hand and one on my right hand when you come into your kingdom. He said, woman, you don't know what you're asking for. He said, besides that, it's not mine to give. So if it had been God, all things had been in his hand, he could have given it to him. But he wasn't. He was the son of man. But he said, he looked at him and said, can you be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with? Can you drink of the cup that I'm going to have to drink up? Because I'm going to drink of a cup and then I'm going to be baptized with a baptism and I won't know if you can drink of it. I said, oh yeah, Lord, they had no idea what this talking about. So I'm going to ask you, can you drink of the cup that the Lord set before us? Are you willing to go through whatever it takes to be baptized with a baptism that he's baptized with? Because you've got to be willing. You've got to surrender to this. God ain't, God ain't going to give you this if you just... No, he ain't. Romans 6. And I know I'm going back over things I've already covered, but there's a reason why God had me preach like I preached last week and why I'm preaching like I'm preaching this week. There's a reason. We fixing need something in God that we don't have. And God's wanting to give it to us. Y'all ready? I'm just going to go to verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? There, See, there's supposed to be a people dead to sin. It ain't never manifest itself, Brother Elder. I don't practice sin. But that sin nature is still there. How many times you felt like dragging somebody out of the church or out of a house or... Putting a whooping on them. I knew a preacher years back. He went to town to have revival. And the mayor told him, said, you ain't having a revival in my town. The preacher looked at him and said, tell you what, they were standing beside a, a hill that had a railroad track running, about head high, it had a railroad track running. He said, we'll step across that railroad track and said, whichever one of us comes back. He said, if I come back, I'm having a revival. If you come back, I'll leave town. The mayor said, okay. But they went over that hill on the other side of the railroad track about two or three minutes. This preacher walked back over and they went up on top of that hill and looked over and he laid the mayor out in a fist fight. I ain't giving you fantasy. I'm telling you stuff, stuff that actually happened. He had revival in that town because God had sent him there. Even if he did have to whip the mayor to do it. Sometimes the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence... <laughs> But there was a man that preached, and I, I, I'm trying to remember, it seemed like it was the late 1800s, early 1900s. His name was Sam Todd. And he would have revival, and the Spirit of the Lord would get on him. And he would give an altar call, and there was people that God showed him supposed to be in that altar. If they didn't move, he would fold up a wooden folding chair, and he would go back and chase people in the altar. Fear to God would fall on them. Y'all hear me? And there's a lot of folks got saved like that. 
But we've got to have, we ain't supposed to be in sin. They ain't, no sin is supposed to be in our lives. And we've never reached that place. That means there's a compartment we ain't never walked in. Does that make sense? There's a place in our Father's house we ain't entered into. Ooh, man, I like it when this thing comes together like this. I'm going back to John, the Gospel of John 14. Y'all with me? Or you can just write it down. Because I'm going back to Romans 6 in just a minute. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Are many wealthy, rich places in the Spirit. See, this word church world got this stuff about natural mansions. Somebody sent me a was it a CD or a DVD? And they want me to watch this preacher's testimony about how he went to heaven. He got told about his mansion of gold up there and how manicured his lawn was and all this. And I watched about 30 minutes of that and I told Lisa, I said, I've had enough. I went over and hit the eject button, took it out, walked out on the back deck and went, phew, made a frisbee out of it. I said, I ain't let that mess get in my spirit. I said, that's a bunch of fleshly, carnal garbage but here Jesus is saying in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a room for you I got you a place I got you another compartment than where you're at y'all following with me and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. In other words, Jesus is going to share an inheritance with you. He's going to share a room with you. And you're going to be like him. He said, I'm going to get a place ready. And once I go prepare that place, and he did, he went to that cross. He went to hell. Conquered death and hell. Paid for our sins. Destroyed spiritual death. Forgive all mankind's sins in the process. And then arose. Ascended into the heavens. Walked in the temple in heaven. Put his blood on the mercy seat in the heaven. And by that he obtained eternal redemption for all of us. Then he descended back down. And he's never ministered on earth in that anointing of the resurrected Christ. But Paul said, that's what I'm looking for. Paul said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. Because when I get that, I'm going to be baptized into his death. Sin ain't going to have no power over me. See, you can't tell the church this and people ain't going to receive this. They think we're going to fight sin to the day the Lord come gets us or the day we die. Whichever comes first. Well, I sure messed him up last week with the first resurrection. (laughs) 
Because some of them ain't going to live for a while. But I'm going to rule and reign with Christ a thousand years. God be my help, my grace, and my strength. Because I believe if I live on this earth long enough, I'll either be one that's alive and remain, or I'll be one that gave my life for the faith. I believe that. May not get that privilege, but I think I will, Lord, and it showed me too much. And Paul, writing right here, he said, how can we that are dead to sin, how can we keep living in sin? If we're dead to it, how do we keep living in it? And that's the answer to the question the church ain't never, never been able to answer. They've always told, well, you get the Holy Ghost, you won't sin. Well, you show me somebody that's manifested this. Ain't nobody I ever seen manifested power not to be able to sin. They tell you when you got the Holy Ghost, you got it all. But it never showed up. There's person after person quit serving God, quit going to church because they couldn't overcome the powers of the flesh and the carnal mind. They couldn't do it because they weren't taught how. The church's answer was, well, you get the Holy Ghost and you pray enough. <laughs> Y'all stay in that compartment if you want to. I'm checking out the penthouse upstairs. <laughs> now we got people that'll let us use a condominium in Florida. All we got to do is go down there and clean it up. We're welcome to stay in it. But I'm going to tell you something. They built two big old beautiful ones right next door. And they go up about 10 or 12 stories. And this only goes seven. And they'll go about, what, 12, 14 stories? Probably about twice as high. And they got the bin house up on the roof. And up on the roof, they got a private swimming pool. They got all kind of amenities that one don't have. And I like enjoying that compartment. But I want the best compartment. I want the best God's got to offer, Brother Donald. I don't want part of it. I want all of it. And we've been running around here for 2,000 years having folks tell us we got something we ain't got. And I'm tired. And I'm sick and tired and sick and tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired of being tired and sick and I'm doing without. <laughs> I want all God's got for me and I plan on having it. And when I get things and I understand where I want him, I'm going to go knock on my landlord's door. I'm going to say, hey, I'm ready for an upgrade. <laughs> what was that show they had on way back in the 60s, Moving On Up? <laughs> I'm ready to move on up! <laughs> to that deluxe apartment in the sky. Says, Susie, I'm ready to move up! Y'all ain't never going to be able to explain this message to nobody. <laughs> Y'all just go out and tell them, go online and listen for yourself. 
God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. Being baptized in water has never killed the sin nature. Never has. Never put your sin man to death. Not unless I hold you down till you quit breathing. It's never put your sin man to death. This is not water baptism. But this is what the church is taking it as. And they preach being buried in a watery grave with him. But it didn't destroy sin. It didn't destroy sin, church. So I'm ready to get out of this compartment of all this false doctrine and false teaching and I'm ready to get in a compartment where I can be dead to sin. Where this body of sin can be destroyed. I'm ready to get there. Why? Because in my Father's house are many mansions, many rich places and I ain't seen them yet. I ain't been privileged to partake of them yet and I'm tired of being stuck in the low rent district. I'm ready to move up to glory. I said, I'm ready to move up to glory. I'm ready to get off a of crooked avenue and move to Straight Street. Ain't y'all ever, y'all remember that old song years ago? I'm ready to move from Crooked Avenue or ready to move to Straight Street from Crooked Avenue? Yeah. Don't y'all know that Paul was on a street called Straight when Ananias come over and prayed for him after God struck him blind? Well, that's where they got the song. Paul turned from being crooked, ungodly, putting the church to death, and he moved to Straight Street. I'm ready to move into the place in God that this body of sin, this nature of sin, I don't have to fight this carnal mind every day of my life. The Lord has told us ever since 2012 through prophecy and preaching different things He's going to give us what it takes to overcome this carnal mind. He's going to give us what it takes to put this flesh to death. And God's, God's having me go back into this and reveal this again because there's something fixing to happen. We're going to have to know what God's doing because we may have some jumping, jerking, shouting services. But I believe there's something fixing to baptize us. It's going to do a work in here. It's going to baptize us into his death. And it ain't going to be the outward manifestation. But it's going to bring forth sanctification. Ain't y'all ready for something to bring forth sanctification? To purge you from this carnal mind. To purge you from this sin nature. To destroy that the, the Bible says that the body of sin might be destroyed. My God, I am so tired of my sin nature. It don't matter how much I fast, how much I pray, how much I study the Word, how much I seek God, there's something can tap my anger. There's something can vex and aggravate me. The lust and desires of my flesh, and lust and desires don't have to be sexual. They can be things that you want out here in the natural. There's something always going to appeal to the carnality, to the carnal mind. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I, I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the gifts. I, I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. I, but I need more than just a baptism I, of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. I, I need to be baptized into his death. And it don't happen in the compartment where the Holy Ghost is. Just the gifts in the tongue. It don't happen over there. You don't buy bar, you don't buy barbed wire at a bread store. <laughs> There's only certain things you can do in that compartment of the Holy Ghost. If you want what it's got right here, you gotta move on up. <laughs> you don't have to find the elevator. Well, see, when I was in the hospital in December of 2014, the Lord showed me something. And when I come out that Friday night, my son and his wife came to the house, and first thing I told my son, I said, something's going to happen in the Spirit. He said, what are you talking about, Daddy? I said, something happened in my faith. I said, I don't know where I was while I was laying in that hospital room. I said, but my spirit went somewhere. I said, I'm beat up inside. My soul was bruised, Sister Susie. I felt like I'd been in the fight. I felt like I had fought the devils. Paul said, I fought the devils at Ephesus. You hear me? That wasn't natural demons. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, he was out there with the wild beast. There ain't no wild beast around Jerusalem. He was out there with the demons and the angels came and ministered unto him, strengthened him. Something happened to me, and I saw a door open in the heaven. And the Lord told me, he said, they're fixing to be a door open in heaven. In the spirit, they're fixing to be a door open. And he said, I'm fixing to say to my people, come up higher. Get on that elevator. <laughs> get yourself off Crooked Street. And get out of that compartment. And let's move on up. Let's move on up. If we're going to something new and we're going to a, a different level in the working of the Spirit of God, somebody tell me what it is because it can't be more of the same. Right. It's like I was preaching in Savannah and it's probably been two or three years ago. And I asked, I said, does anybody know what the definition of insanity is? The little eight-year-old boy spoke up in the back of the church, and I heard him. I said, what would you say, son? I said, do you know? He said, yes, sir. I said, stand up and tell people. He stood up, and he said, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. <laughs> His insanity. I said, you're exactly right. And I said, that's what church folks are doing. They're doing the same thing they've done for hundreds of years. They're following the same pattern of services, doing the same thing over and over, and expecting God to be a different God. Ain't going to happen. If you want God to be different, you've got to learn to be still and let His Spirit lead you into something different. And we've never been baptized into His death. I haven't. I haven't been baptized into His death, Brother Don. I haven't had this carnal mind put to death because... Bad as I hate to admit it, I still wrestle with spiritual death because that carnal mind's there. And he said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So when you think with this carnal mind and you reason with this carnal mind, it brings a certain amount of death to your spirit, man. As bad as we want to say it, it brings a certain amount of death to us. But nobody wants to tell you that. 
Everybody wants to get you shouting and talking in tongues and dancing and feeling good. Y'all listen to what I'm telling you, and I've said this before. There's nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed out. Once we reach that place that we've come into maturity and completeness in God, in the church, there won't be no gifts of the Spirit. Ooh. The gifts are there to bring you to perfection. The gifts are there to edify you. Now you may go out to the heathen and the lost, and God may use you out there. But as far as in the church, once the church reaches that place of maturity, there ain't going to be no need for it. What you going to minister to folks? And see, that's what I keep trying to tell people. Bible talks about the end of the Gentile dispensation. I think it's Romans 9 or Romans 11. I can't remember now. But see, the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. When every, now listen to what I'm telling you. When everybody that's going to be a part of this body of Christ has been brought in, been edified, and has reached this maturity, there will be no more preaching of the kingdom. We will go forth and preach salvation and healing and deliverance. Because the kingdom will be manifested. It will be brought forth. Does the word not say in 1 Corinthians 13, where there be tongues there shall cease, where there be prophecies they shall cease. When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. That's the gifts. Are you hearing me? They're bringing us through the part. They're bringing us to maturity. They're bringing us to completion. Once that's done, they won't operate, won't need to. Are y'all with me? Give you something to think about, don't it? See, once you're complete in Christ, you can go out and minister by His Spirit, but you won't be ministering in the church by the gifts. I don't know what God's going to do in the church, how He's going to minister to us, Lord, ain't you? But we fix and go out when the lost. Because God's bringing us in to that completeness in Christ. I hope this is helping y'all. I do. Because I, I'm not going to run around in circles for another 50 years. And bad as you want to admit it, we've just about run around in circles. I got 44 years of serving God. I've just about run around in circles for 44 years. Doing the same thing. Preaching the same thing. Delivering the same people. Because they don't seem to stay delivered. Ain't no telling how many times I've delivered Brother Donald. <laughs> don't you think that's the reason people have got so complacent? It is. It is. Exactly. Because they've not been taught anything. They've not been taught a relationship with God. All they've been taught is a shout, a talking tongues, wait for somebody to come slap her hands on you. Say, yea, the Lord would say, yea, the Lord would say, yea, y'all to apple my eye, yea, the Lord would say. It's going to rain, yea, the Lord would say. It's clouded up, yea, the Lord would say. <laughs> and so what do they do? You know how many people I've come, had come ask me, Brother Metter, do you remember what God told me? No, it's not my. 
God wasn't speaking to me. He's talking to you. You should have been listening. Instead, you know what they were doing? I'm not being irreverent. I'm not being disrespectful. I said, go get the tape. Write it down. Get it, write it down, type it up, go to the filing cabinet, pull out the file door. Prophecies. Number it. Prophecy number 245. I get a few more. I'm going to do something for God. No, you ain't. But see, God is merciful and he keeps reaching. There's people out there he's called, he's anointed, he's chosen, will never fulfill. But God's given them the opportunity. So what God has set before us, we better take it and run with it. Because the gifts and the callings of God, they're without repentance, children. You don't repent for disobeying God. Not in the call, in the anointing. There is no repentance. It's what the Word says. Just like I ministered to some people. Spirit of the Lord fell on me strong about six, eight months ago, and I ministered to some people. I mean, their life was in a mess. I ministered to them. They totally ignored the word of the Lord, went and done what they wanted to. You know how many phone calls I've taken from them since? Zero. Leave me, boys. Brother Matter, I need to talk to you. I need some counsel. I need you to explain some things to me. Uh-huh, not this preacher. When you ignore the word of the Lord... And when I've counseled you and counseled you and counseled you and give you direction and you refuse to let the Spirit of God change you, don't ring my phone. I will pray for them. I will ask God to have mercy on them and help them, but it ain't coming through what God's put in my life, not unless God speaks to me. You say, that's mean. No, it's not mean because I've had the counsel and the word of the Lord and the gift of God ignored that God placed in my life. You may aggravate me, you may upset me, but buddy, don't you pick on the gift of God in my life. Because it's precious. To me, it's precious. I paid a price for it. And I only use it when I'm led by the Spirit of God. And God has that kind of mercy on you, and you turn and ignore the leadership of the Spirit of God. Don't expect me to keep trying to pick you up. I won't do it. I will not do it. Why? There's something in you that's stubborn, rebellious, lazy, something that you won't listen to what God's trying to tell you. And God will not keep talking to you. He plainly said in his word, he said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. God's not going to keep reaching for people. I can tell you all what God is fixing to do. He's fixing to reach right out there in the highways and hedges. He's going to give him a brand new people. The harlots and the publicans should go into the kingdom of God. They're going to go into this power, this dominion, this authority, this work. They're going to go into it before the children of the kingdom do. And the children of the kingdom, the Bible said, will be cast out. Is that not what it says? Go back and read your word. God's ministered to this world for 2,000 years. There's people that's taken what God's give them. There's people that's ignored what God's given them. And there's people taking a measure of the truth and they've got self-righteous and they think they're something. 
and they think they got something they don't have, and it's fixing to cost them. Fixing cost, folks. Y'all hear me? Because church don't have anything right now. You can't find one person in a thousand has deliverance in their lives, has a prayer life or a dedicated. People want to preach a great revelation of the Word. Let me tell you something. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. There's some people, they just want to come out with revelation just so they can get lifted up. I ain't preaching this to get lifted up. So I'm going to tell you something. This Word costs me. Every time I preach this, I aggravate somebody, make somebody mad. Well, I ain't. False doctrine. Too much word. Too much word. Amen. Too much word to back it up. Too much word. Too much power. Too much being revealed to take us into sanctification and holiness. I ain't just, I don't focus just on the healings and the miracles. There's a word of sanctification. And the church ain't seen sanctification in 50, 60 years. <laughs> Been a long time since preachers preached on sanctification. But you know why? When people didn't live right. When I was growing up, people didn't live right. They'd turn them out of the church. You've seen it happen. People get turned out of the church. You know why they'd turn them out of the church? So that spirit wouldn't go through the church. So that spirit wouldn't get a hold of people. That's why they turn people out, says Susie. I ain't saying it was right, but that's why they do it. Back in the Old Testament, when people had spirits like they got now, this transgender, homosexual stuff, you know what they'd do with them? They'd take them out and stone them. Kids was disrespectful to their parents, struck their parents, smarted off to their parents. They'd finally take them before the priest and said, we can't do nothing with them. They won't follow correction. They won't listen to counsel. They won't follow correction. They've gotten violent. They've gotten physical. You know what they do with them? Take them outside the gate. Stone them. Keep that spirit of rebellion from spreading through Israel. God fixing to stone some folks. You hear me? God fixing to get rid of this rebellious spirit. Because there's a rebellious spirit when it comes to religion. And I haven't elaborated a lot on that spirit that appeared to me in the hospital. But I got thinking about it the other day. When that thing turned to walk off, it was wearing a dress. It looked like a woman, but it was muscular like a man. And the Lord told me, see, that thing was a strong religious demon. And I remember when the Lord spoke to us in our camp meeting under the tent through Sister Sheila Austin that there's a spirit of witchcraft that he tried to take that church down in Alabama. And the Lord told me and he told my son that through my son and me, he was going to cut the head of that snake off, destroy it. Let me tell you something, my spirit's about gone. That spirit's about gone. But uh, when that spirit walked away, I seen it walk away, and the Lord said, I have withstood this spirit. I've withstood it. It's been withstood. Wasn't nothing I'd done. I just give myself to the Lord. Y'all hear me? It's time to give ourselves to the Lord. It's time to quit going in the same old compartment. It's time to quit compartmentalizing ourselves and going in the house of God and expecting no more than a good shout and a good song and a good talking tongues and maybe a prophecy.
That's what people go for. They go so the Spirit of God make them feel good. But nothing ever changes. You don't get one person. Bible said, talks about the book of Acts. says such as should be saved was added to the church daily. We don't see such should be saved added to the church yearly. And you got to dig and scratch and fight and war. That's why God's fixing to walk away from his church world. He can't do nothing with them. They're too self-righteous. I mean, I know people ain't been to church in years. And they still think they're all right with God. Don't have no dedication, don't have no relationship with God. Still think they're all right. Man, that's got to be a wicked spirit. That you can not serve God, not have a relationship, not have a prayer life, not even try to present any kind of life or dedication toward God and still think you're all right. I'm talking about my, my Pentecostal folks. Think they're all right. That is a seducing spirit. And somebody's been rocked to sleep. But God's got to have somebody can work with, Sister Pat. God's got to reach out there. Get somebody that's never had any experience with God and draw them in. And I went to Alabama, and I'm going to tell you this, and then I'm going to bring this to a close. And had to get some things lined out over. I'm trying to finally shut the business down and get it moved over here to Georgia. But me and Brother Michael, we were sitting in a restaurant early one morning. We were eating breakfast. We had some things we had to go do. And this man walked up to Brother Michael and spoke to him. Brother Michael sat there a minute and looked at him. And he said, oh, I know who you are now. He said, I didn't recognize you. He said, yeah, I shaved my beard off. He said, I used to. And so the man talked a little bit about the Lord. He went on out the door. Brother Michael said, you ought to hear that man's testimony. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it had been several years now. Said he was mean. He was wicked. He was wild. Said people didn't never know what he's going to do. Said he's out in the woods hunting. The voice of the Lord spoke to him. You get yourself down there at that church. It was Sunday morning. He said, You get down there at that church and you get in that altar. And you give your life to me. So here this man walks in the church and the preacher preaching in his hunting gear. And when he walked in the door, the preacher stopped. Everybody stopped and just looked at him. He was, he wild. They didn't know what, they didn't know if he'd come in there to raise a ruckus, shoot the place up. They, did, they didn't know what he'd come to do. And said his little grandson was sitting up there on the bench. And when he turned around, he said, hey, Papa, you come to church? Said he went straight to the altar. Got down. Gave his heart to God. And he said, I've been going to that church serving God ever since. He said, because God convicted me and God changed me. He said, God put me there. And he said, that's where I'm staying. So see, God don't have to have. God don't have to have none of us. What did Jesus tell him? He said, if I hold my peace, Spirit of the Lord, raise up stones. Raise up stones that will praise him. God's got a plan. He's got a people. He fixed to raise them up. He fixed to raise them up. And they ain't going to stay in this compartment.
Because stay in this compartment has caused the church to die. Because that's all they preach, it's all they talk about. I mean, I believe in baptism, water baptism in Jesus' name. I believe in it. But I had a man come to my church one time, been serving God 33 years, and asked him to get up and say something for the Lord. All he, all he knew was water baptism in Jesus' name. That's all he could talk about. I said, my God, 33 years, and that's all you can exhort to God's people? It grieved my heart. It grieved my heart. And some people, they hear it every week. Water baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost, talking in tongues. That's all they know. My God, that's a repentance message. That's for people that accepts the Lord as their Savior and then prays for God to give them a measure of the Holy Ghost. That's something happens when you go down and repent. That ain't something you're supposed to have preached to you week after week. And then it's all the do's and don'ts. You can't do this, you can't do that, can't wear this, can't go here, can't go there. We made the gospel of Jesus Christ hard. And it's not supposed to be hard. That's why God said, I'm going to raise up a people that was not my people. People that I didn't know. He said, they fixing to know me. Amen. They fixing to know me. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on somebody hungry. Till they come, y'all just going to have to put up with me. <laughs> but I'm trying to take you somewhere and get you ready. Because there's people fixing to come through them doors. Going to need ministering to, going to need leadership, going to need guidance, going to need help. I can't do it all. Can't do it all. Appreciate the Lord today. How many of you enjoyed this word? Get out of your compartments. Get out of your compartments. Do what is this, Pat? Thank you. She told me here a while back, said, man, you keep practicing, said, you're going to make a preacher. <laughs> I had an old brother over in Alabama. He used to come to my meetings whenever I was around. He'd come up to me and he'd put an offering in the offering, and he was wailing up in his 80s. I don't know how old he was, and he died. He'd walk up to me and he'd put an offering in my hand. He said, Brother Metter, he said, you keep practicing, son. One of these days you're going to make a preacher. So... I'm going to keep practicing. Y'all my practice. Hallelujah. Y'all get to beat my guinea pigs. Want to get to practice though. You love him? Let's go to prayer. My Father, by your righteous holy name, Jesus, I ask you, God, to look down on us. God, touch every heart, touch every life, touch every soul in this church today. Let this word find its place. Help us to hide this word in our heart, Lord, that we sin not against you. God, and let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, for thou art our strength and thou art our redeemer. And Lord, I petition you today, to have mercy and grace on this nation. God, to bless our military men, their families, all that fight for this nation, who have gave the supreme sacrifice, God, and are still sacrificing. Bless them and be with them. Have mercy on them, Lord. God, and Brother Michael Harris's daddy, Lord, he's battling that colon cancer. God, 
It's getting bad. Lord, you know he wants to live through Monday to see a son get married. You grant him that grace and mercy, Lord. God, Mr. Winthrop up here just got out of the hospital. He needs our prayers, Lord, for us. Give him strength. Give him mercy. God, if it's your mind to heal him and raise him up, you let it be for your name, Jesus, to be honored and glorified. God, help us, Lord, to always acknowledge and admonish that name, Jesus, and lift you up. And let this word take root downward and spring forth upward. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to remember our veterans. We do. My son-in-law spent eight years, I mean eight months, in Iraq back during the Iraq War. And many, many thousands of others never came home or came home maimed and wounded. But their sacrifice gives us religious freedom. So you need to remember them. You need to pray for them. You need to remember them this weekend. Somebody said something or posted something or something. I heard it somewhere. said, when you sit down to your bar barbecue dinner tomorrow, remember the price that was paid so you could do it. There's a price that's been paid for liberties in this nation. This young generation has no idea. And this administration's tried to change history. That's what so upsets me. They try to change history so people won't know the sacrifice, won't know the cost. This cost been... This country has been purchased with blood. We need to thank God. We need to give God honor for our liberties. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. I can't tell you how many more Memorial Days we're going to have like this. That we're going to live free and worship God freely. Don't know how many more we're going to have. See, we think we're going to be all right. We think we're just going to go on like we're We don't know how many more Fourth of Julys we're going to have. We don't. See, we never think about it. We just take it for granted every day that our nation just going to keep going. There's forces in place to destroy our nation, children. I saw it in 2007. So, if you know what's going on, let's do something about it. Let's fight. Amen. I appreciate the Lord. God gives me any directions, this Pat, I'll tell you. I can't tell you from the pulpit. But I can always come whisper. I can always come whisper in your ear. It is scary because we're living in fearful times. We're living it. Pray about it. God will order your steps. Now, if everything works right, either Thursday or Friday, we'll have our travel trailer up here. I got a man going to Mississippi to get it. Maybe Thursday or Friday, he's going to bring it up here and park it on the lot for us. I may need some help, get some of y'all to hook it up, because as far as I know right now, I will be down at the minister's meeting at Sister Daniel's. Or I may have to go to, if Brother Michael's daddy passes away, I'll have to go to the funeral, so I don't know where I'll be. But I know we got enough hands 
If they bring the trailer up here, we can get the sewage and water and electricity hooked up. So, but we borrowed the money. We got it. So start praying, see if the Lord will speak to you about an offering that we can pay it back. Because I don't want to be in debt in a long time. I don't like debt. But we had to have a place to get up here so we can work in the community and so it be, wouldn't be such a physical strain on us. Because you realize we get up and drive up here. We spend three hours on the road, and then we spend three hours going back. That's six hours a day driving. And after I preach hard like this, whew, rough. It is. But that's just what God's chose for me right now. Y'all don't know, but there's times I'd pull them out of my driveway, have to go to Fort Payne, Alabama, after driving 10, 11, 12 years over there. And I just almost cry. I tell I, I tell God I'd almost rather take a beating than to make that two and a half, three hour trip sometimes. Because it after a while it just gets hard. But I've done it because that's where God put me. And I'll do this because God put me here. And that's one thing I know. I don't know what God's gonna do, don't know where God's gonna take us, but the one thing me and her know, we are in the mind and will of God. Now we ain't got no doubt about that. We're in the will of God being right here. That I do know. We was in the will of God and we was at Sister Kathy's house to start with. So, we're going to press right on in the will of God. We're going to walk it out. We're going to walk it out. I don't know nothing else to do, Sister Fat, so walk it out. So, financially, I need your help. I'm serious, I need your help. To help us get all this set up. Move forward in what God's doing. Did you honor God with your tithe, with your offerings? If you got how many of y'all believe the Bible said the labor's worthy of his hire? Y'all think I'm worthy of my hire? Then don't muzzle the ox. Y'all would have heard Brother Matter, he stood up and called himself an ox. No, don't you muzzle out serving the Lord that treads out this food for you. Because I ain't giving you warmed overs and I ain't giving you leftovers. I'm feeding you fresh off the altar of God. Amen. Stand and come reverence the Lord and do what's right in his eyes. And I know if you will, God will bless you. Hallelujah. Come on right now. Appreciate you, Sister Deborah. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you got missions, I forgot to bring my mission money. Praise God. All right, so everybody obeyed the Lord. Let's ask God to bless this. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. God, for the people. God, I know holidays hindered some people from being here. I know Brother Justin, God, he had to work today. He took that new position, got to work once a month. But I pray this word got in his spirit, Lord. Let it be that you bless the offering, that you honor your word in people's hearts and lives today, and that your will be done. I give you honor and praise and glory in Jesus' name. And I'm just going to go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. God be with us. God, as people celebrate this Memorial Day, 
Let them do it in the right spirit. Let them do it for the right reason. And God, give them a heart to pray for our troops. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen.